Hello, and welcome back to the Nicolas Cage podcast. I'm still not sure about that name. It doesn't roll off the tongue like the Adam Sandler podcast did. But anyway, welcome to the Nicolas Cage podcast. The podcast where we talk about Nicolas Cage and his career. And we take a little bit of a deep deep dive into his career. His, 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 his eccentric personality. And uh, with me, as always, is my friend and trusted co-host, Christopher. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And this second episode, we are talking about um, what I-, I heard people say was his first movie, which it isn't. But we're talking about Rumblefish uh, from yeah. 1983, which is the... S- was that the same year as Valley Girl? the same year, so maybe this was released a few months earlier, maybe. That could be it. That could be, or Possible. that it was shot first. Yeah. No, it can't. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been because we'll, we'll get into that. We're, we're already. We're, we're already. Um, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't want to say creating lore because it's a real person, but it's still. Because <laughs> if you look at his teeth in this movie, he's got them fixed. That was a. That was oh. a thing with the last movie. That was the only movie he ever made. Uh, before he got his teeth fixed, but it school- so, still could be just release dates. I mean, we could I, sure, check, I sure. check it out. But yeah, that's true. That's true. But he must have shot this after Valley Girl. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's 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 Rumblefish, uh, written and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, which is his uncle, I think. They're related somehow. Um. Yeah, I'm not it's sure his... either. In, in what yeah, way. I'm not sure. I, I I just know that they're related. I think it's his uncle, um, but he 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 he's billed as Nicolas Cage in this. I think he's only billed as Nicolas Coppola in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a movie we won't be talking about at least not uh, in the in the near future because he's only in like one scene. Um, we also could kind of skip this one because he's not really in the movie that much, even though they make a point of. Like mentioning him in the trailer, yeah, he's only in a few scenes. So yeah, but uh, he's a he's a pretty uh, he's one of those important characters for the plot, but he's not really developed at all. But he's that's true. He's, that's true. He has a big part in the narrative, so to speak. Yes, uh, and just just checked out Valley Girl was released in in America then, twenty uh, ninth of April, uh, Rumblefish seventh October. So okay. So they come out seven year, but Rumblefish come technically was released after. So the documentary I watched, uh, some of the people involved with the movie lied. They straight up lied. <laughs> okay, why? What, what do you mean? I think it, no, I think it was the the production designer on Rumblefish was like, "Oh, this is uh, Nicolas Cage's first movie," because they were doing like an interview like five years after or whatever. Ah, oh. so yeah, ah, this is a liar, and we know. Good to know. <laughs> um, no, but it's a Rumblefish. It's a story about uh, Rusty James. Uh, it's hard to forget that name. Um, uh, who's ki- kind of a uh, not not really the leader of a gang, but he's kind of taken over after his older brother, motorcycle boy, left the ga- the the local gang, and he's um, they're they're roaming around. Uh, um, Longing for the days of yore when there was a bunch of gangs roaming the streets and they could fight. That's that's it, basically. And Motorcycle Boy comes back to town and they try to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, this isn't really a, much of a plot-driven movie. Um, 
I and I got to say, I, I, I when the credits were rolling, I finished it. Uh, well, I, I watched it today, and I, I, I said out loud, like I didn't get it. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't really get it. Have you I seen, got some of it, but had you seen the movie before? No, I'd never seen it. I barely okay. heard of it. Oh, okay. Up until like a year ago or something. So, and what, what was your, um, what did you think of it before you started watching? it? Before I thought it was gonna be like um, I don't even know that it would be similar to the movie Francis Ford Coppola did the same year, which Outsiders. I've only seen parts of. But yeah, Outsiders. Oh, I've never seen that movie. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen the whole thing. I've only seen clips of it. But that, that's more of a straightforward like similar. It is a similar story about young punks basically hanging out, but it's it's more straightforward. Made. Um, uh, written by the same um, author, because Rumble Fish is based on a book by mm. S. E. Hinton, Linton, something like that. Oh uh, yeah, I think it's the him. lady, so, the lady who wrote uh, Outsiders as well. Yeah. Uh, so I I read somewhere that uh is it's not from Francis Ford Coppola. It's more what people think that Rumble Fish was okay. his way of keeping safe. Be, keeping being him and being sane while doing this straight up teenage money movie because from okay. what, I've, what I've heard is because he made um, Apocalypse Now before this uh, Outsiders yes and then he was a lot in debt because of that yes, movie yes because that and, movie was a disaster <laughs> yeah and, it's, like, it's a good movie but it was a mis- disaster to make yes yeah and so he he's uh he accepted Outsiders more for the money, uh, but he wasn't really happy about it. Sure. He just, just, he just needed to pay the bills. And yeah. Rumblefish <laughs> was a side project he did, did just, yeah, as, as I said, to, to be sane and to keep his artistic integrity in some way. And he needed to get his uh, art artistry out of the way to make this money movie. That's at the, least the, the theory yeah. I heard. And I, I, can, de- I can definitely see that, um, because it's... It, it it it's not a um it's it's a very strange it's it feels strange it's almost like dreamlike the way it's shot mm. and even some the way some people talk um the fact that it's it's a, it's a, it's in black and white uh it's it's just it just feels like it's not really supposed to be reality it's something else i'm not sure what it is um, and that that's and then and then I I tried to find like is this a is this an allegory for something or is he just trying to do a, a weird movie I wasn't really sure, but it's 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 definitely yeah not a it's not a straightforward movie it's a, it's an art movie mm. art house movie maybe I mean I gotta say first uh, first of all it looks great I love how oh, it yeah. looks uh, and there are so many small things that you can just I I only I've seen this movie yeah so I've seen this movie before it was quite mm. a while ago um and cuz uh, as I said uh, before the pod before it recorded uh when wrestler came out uh, the wrestler yeah. uh yeah. I there was all this talk about Mickey Rourke coming back and being being back in again and I I never heard of the guy so I just missed him <laughs> missed who is this guy why is everybody liking this guy uh, so I went back and watched a few handpicked movies from uh, before he disappeared, so to speak. Uh, okay. And this was one of those movies. I think a friend uh, tipped uh, tipped me off and said this was a good one. 
And I, I okay. that time I didn't really get it. I thought it was it looked cool and that was about it. Uh, but I think this time I really got more of the artistic things and the the, the a lot of interesting details around. Um, one thing I don't this dreamlike thing you talked about. Yeah. Uh, I think there is not one scene uh, except establishing shots uh, which doesn't have smoke in it. That's uh, probably true, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and a lot um, of these things that you always see smoke. It's maybe not in the foreground, but it's always smoke in uh, in every scene to get this dreamlike and this not really reality vibe. Yeah, and the 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 big one for me is the clouds. Whenever mm. you see the clouds, they're moving very fast. I um, mean, it almost looks animated. Yeah. So it so you get the feeling like, and they're the. All the, all the alleyways and the streets, it all feels um except for the scenes where they're when they're on the other side of the bridge, um, when they're dancing. Mm. Um uh, the rest of the scenes feels they feel very claustrophobic, even when they take place outside. So you kinda get the feeling that's almost like and because of the sky, like it's a skybox like in a video game, it's almost like they're they're in this confined space, which kind of fits with the theme of the movie. Uh, okay, I guess one of the themes uh, of being stuck. Um, yeah. and and the thing that is, the movie is black and white. Uh, I think that's also one of those because there are colors at some points throughout the movie. Yeah, uh, the fighting fish. And, yeah, and at the end, and once, yeah, once when he looks in the reflection of the um, yeah car door. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's some way uh, one of my interpretations. I I haven't really uh, thought it through <laughs> but i think it's yeah. something around that uh, there is no color because there is no direction and when color mm. appears that means that the character that we're at that moment following has a direction has somewhere to go when most like boy sees the fishes at the start of the movie uh, he ha- he has this idea where he's going and he's going to the fish he's going to do this fish thing yeah uh, and it's at the same time at the end where he um it's called um Rusty James, you're right. How did I forget <laughs> yeah, the name? Rusty, Rusty, Rusty James. James. <laughs> uh, uh, Rusty James, where he sees his, his reflection. I think that's also he now has a purpose. Follow the river. And yeah, I think that's one of the one of those interesting details. Yeah, and I also um, I don't know who said. It. I think it was the uh, cinematographer. I don't. I forget his name, but he mentioned that. The fact that it's black and white helped, uh, like, and he he mentioned like it helped to convey emotion, which I didn't, re- I didn't, I didn't. Re- it made sense when he said it, but I, I'm paraphrasing. Oh. Um, yeah, but I, so I, that, I can. That's I why they chose to shoot it in black and white. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I also read about is th- this movie is very since it is black and white, um, or maybe because it's black and white, it's th- it's a lot of dependency on shadows and. The movie is a, a lot about shadows in a way. Uh, yeah. Uh, and an interesting thing is uh, there are a few shadows that is actually painted on the set. Yeah, yeah, I heard about it, that. Yeah. Couldn't get it as as the shadow they wanted. So just painted a shadow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that's another thing that makes uh, that makes the movie feel it's like like it's staged, like it's like it's fake, like it's not reality. Um, a lot of dialogue. And like I mentioned, the, uh, the claustrophobic setting of, of every scene, but also um, uh, uh, 
that some of the sets feels kind of uh, kind of empty. Like I don't know what they call it. Benny's the the bar where they hang out. Mm. Uh, the billiards. Pool, the pool hall, whatever it is, yeah. uh, where Tom Waits is the bartender. Yeah. Um, Benny's the area, billiard. It's billiard, yeah, right. Yeah. Benny's billiard, yeah. Um, the area around the pool table or the, or the billiards table, it feels very empty. It's kind of look, it kind of looks like a, like a, like a, like a, a set on a stage. Mm. And the, the the big fight scene in the beginning with Biff something, the guy with the knife. Um, it's it's a. Uh, the fight feels like overly choreographed almost at some points, like it's done on a stage, which is something that it, it added to that the, the dreamlike feeling for me at least, and I I, I appreciated that. Yeah. So uh, you said you don't know what you didn't get it. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you, I I'm, I wasn't I wasn't re- when the movie was over. It's like I I got I got some idea of like. But I, w- I wasn't really sure what the intent of Coppola was when he made the movie, because it's it it's obviously not just a straightforward story about a gang. It's it's something else. It has to be something else. Um, and I'm not really sure what that something else is. Do you have an, a theory or an idea or something? I have a I have several. I I don't I, know. I haven't looked up anything about it, but I no, I, I didn't I didn't look much. I looked a little bit, but I didn't find anything. So. Uh, one idea is uh, um, uh, R- Rusty James and the gang. They're kind of they're kind of they're kind of stuck in this. They're stuck in this uh, this town wherever it is. It's it's shot in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but they don't mention that, so I don't think it's supposed to be. Um, and uh, especially Rusty James always talks about you know oh it was much more fun you know when when the when the gangs were around we could fight the gangs, um, and it was better it, and everyone's saying it was better when Motorcycle Boy his brother was around, um, and then when Motorcycle Boy comes back they uh, Rusty James thinks oh they're gonna rekindle the old good the good old times, but. Motorcycle Boy isn't the same anymore because he's been in California and you know some something has changed him, and I get the feeling it's about partly about growing up, um, especially since a lot of the the actors were were still pretty young when they shot this. Uh, what's his name who plays Rusty James? Uh, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, right? Matt Dillon was like nineteen, and. Um, Nicholas Cage is around the same, like twenty something, I think. Same thing with Chris Penn. It's the same. Always played uh, B.J. Jackson, criminally underused. I like. Mm. I liked him as an actor. Huh? Um, but they're all they're all pretty young. And I mean, even in the first scene when they're hanging out at the bar, um, Rusty James doesn't ask for a beer. He asks for a glass of chocolate milk, Benny. <laughs> and it's just. It, I feels like. It, I got. To, have you seen the movie Alpha Dog? With um. No, I don't think so. Uh, what the fuck? Justin Timberlake is in it, but he's not just a bit bit part. No, it's a movie about. I haven't seen it. It, it's a movie about um the the son of a like semi big time gangster, who uh, who has his own little gang that he's running, but they're basically like high school age. They're like between sixteen and eighteen, all of them, and uh, they're basically playing gangster until you know something real happens. Someone gets hurt. And they have to deal with it for real. It's like all of a sudden, like reality hits, 
And I got a little bit of that in this too, except for that reality doesn't really hit until the very end, when, uh, spoilers, Motorcycle Boy dies, or he gets shot by the cops. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm, I'm, I, I got the feeling that Motorcycle Boy, when he when he comes back, he has, he has uh, grown. He is older already, but when he left, he was still a, a boy, and now he comes back, and he's... He's seen what it's really all about, so that's why he's kind of aloof. He's kind of distant um, throughout the movie. Um, that, that's that's one of the ideas I had about, about like gr- not growing up, I suppose, or not wanting to grow up. Yeah. Um, another one was, uh, and I'm guessing that's just because Coppola made a war movie before this. Uh, it's about it's about like PTSD. That motorcycle boy comes back from the war, and he has—he has—he's seen some shit, man. But I'm not—that—that—that's about it. But he's only gone for two months, so that doesn't really make sense. And then one is that they're all, for some reason, like they're stuck in like purgatory, and uh, the only one who knows that is uh, motorcycle boy. That's why he wants to die so he can get out of there. I mean that's the that's a classic. Know. It fits on on most artistic movies. That's a, that it's yes, purgatory. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and um. None of, none of these ideas. I don't know. Doesn't really work one hundred percent. That's why I didn't really think. I don't think it's actually one of these ideas. But that's just kind of what I got out of it. Yeah. So my takeaway from the movie uh, this time around is. Not that Motorcycle Boy in any way have changed, that it's Rusty James realizing that his idea of his brother is wrong. Okay. That that, uh, Motorcycle Boy has always been this guy. They say that when they talk at the bar with their father, that, uh, yeah, Motorcycle Boy, he can do whatever he wants. He's a smart guy, he's very capable, he can... can if he only sets his mind to it, he can do whatever he wants. But he doesn't want yeah. to do anything. There, he, he hasn't to find anything. anything that's for him. And I think that's how he always been. So these gang things that he was, there was just something to do because he hadn't anything else to do. Uh, mm. And he says also it was fun for a while, but then he, he got bored of it. And I think Rusty James, he, as a child, saw his brother and didn't get these ideas of not knowing where to go or who he was or purpose. He just saw his cool older brother going out fighting and being in gangs. And, and when Motorcycle Boy left, Rusty James thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be my, as my cool older brother. I'm gonna do, take back the streets and start gangs. And as you said, they started playing gangs. And then yeah. Motorcycle Boy uh, reappears or come back, comes back. And then there's this now they're on not equal, but more equal footing. Now Rust James can understand what Motorcycle Boy says, even though he doesn't want to. These things of, yeah, it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't this glory days. It wasn't these amazing times. It was just I was bored. This is what yeah, I it was did. was something to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he mentioned I, that it became it became a bore. He yeah. Says. And yeah. I think that's that's more of the movie of yeah, growing up and this having this idea of someone, an older brother, a father, a mentor, whatever, you have an idea of this special guy who is larger than life and knows everything and is the best, and then how that crashes down when you meet them when you're older. I think Hmm. that's more of the the theme of the movie. Uh, And then also this uh, power dynamic that... (laughs) So, Rusty James is kind of a stupid guy, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Smokey, uh, Smokey is Nicolas Cage, right? Or Smokey? Yes. Smokey. Smokey. Yeah. yeah. He even says that at the end. Like, you're not a smart guy. I mean, you're, you have a lot of temper. You're good at fighting. Good at, but you're not smart. You can't do things. You can't lead things. No, yeah. <laughs> While Motorcycle Boy is, is the difference. He's he's capable and extremely smart. Well, at least mm. that's the well, image he projects, at least. Yeah. Uh, but he is a very smart guy. And several times during the movie, Motorcycle Boy tried to talk about these concepts to Rusty James. Because he see, feels, yeah, okay, you're a grown-up. You can talk as adults now. But he just gives up because Rusty James doesn't understand the concepts of that motorcycle boy tried to tell him. Yeah. And and that's also this this thing that I can't teach you anything more. Not because you learned everything, because you can't learn more. <laughs> you're <laughs> I mean you're And I think that's sort of and at the end when he says to Rusty James, take my bike and go to the to the sea. Uh, follow the river and go to the sea. I think that's his way of telling Rusty James, you have to go get out of here, you have to learn more, you have to see the world and understand more than just imitating me. You have to create your own life, your own identity from our own. Yeah, yeah, th- and that that makes sense. Um, but that that's also, I, I, I guess that's, I, I, pr- I projected, uh, I, I, or I, I needed, for, for me, for that to make sense, it, it had to be that some of, some of the characters had to have changed Maybe that we didn't see the change, but like, cause, cause he mentions that he's not the same when he comes back towards the yeah. end. R- Russ James says that about motorcycle boy. Um, so yeah, then, but yeah, it's about that. It's about growing up, and and that that uh, motorcycle boy, motorcycle boy, has grown up, um, and that that's what he wants for his his brother as well. Yeah, or well, uh. more that from my point of view is that Russ Russ James says you changed. He hasn't changed. Rusty James he hasn't, has he changed. hasn't really changed. Yeah, no, it's just Rusty sure, James' yeah. perception has changed. Or Rusty okay, James now sure. actually see how he was, how he always was. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's that that's why sense. I think so. The the, but the then, change then in characters was before the movie, but two characters, one changed, one not didn't, and we see how they meet again. That's yeah. But then it's it's still it's still. Um, eh, there's a question of, or at least I don't know. Maybe it's me interpreting it differently. Um, is that that motorcycle boy wants to die in the end? He's like ready to die, and the fact that when he's shot, he 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 dies with a smile on his face. Maybe mm. I'm just overanalyzing. I don't know. I think that was more or less that he, yeah, as his father said, he he was a man in the wrong age. He couldn't be happy. He couldn't find anything that he wanted to do, and so he just mm. sort of gave up. That's that's how I said it. Saw it that he just said, "Well, I tried. I tried doing the gang things. I tried going away to Los Angeles to find something to do, but I all I just ended up here again with with no wants or goals in my life. So what what's even the point of staying here? Hmm. Maybe yeah, okay. I could maybe I could could help or change my little brother, but that didn't work either. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah." Uh, again, that sort of breaks the theory of that color has a purpose, because that means Motorcycle Boy knew this the second he came back to town, because you see, they're vicious in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Or if that's maybe just a clue for us. 
I think it's I think it's more supposed to be clue because we do see we do see the fishes have color even before motorcycle boy is there. Yeah. Because uh, we see them early when they're walking away from uh, the bar mm. um, bef- before the fight, and they walk past the pet store, and you see the the fish in the in the window, and they have they have color then. Yeah, maybe it's like a sort of a Chekhov's gun thing. But remember yes. this: this is going to be important later. Exactly. Uh, sort of one of those things. Maybe. Uh, there's also this thing which I didn't get, and I I think you can find a lot of theories and interesting things about it, but I didn't understand it. The talk about motorcycle boy be not seeing colors and being deaf. Yeah, uh, and there was also a theory that I, I was thinking about, but couldn't really make sense of it. That we see the world as motorcycle boy sees it. These uh, long shadows and this the soundtrack who just gets uh, on and off all the time. It's really weird sometimes, and it's really happy sometimes. It's really schizophrenic soundtrack. Uh, it's good. It's really good, but it switches very fast. Mm. Uh, also, these things where dialogue sometimes, uh, if two people talk, stand next to each other and talk to each other, sometimes the dialogue f- sounds like it's one of the people are way over there. Like one yeah. person is very quiet, and other times a person who's far away is very loud. And yeah, in the in, in the first scene when they're sitting at, at the bar, you can, and they're they're sitting and talking. It's um, Chris Penn, uh, Nicholas Cage, and, and uh, Matt Dillon, mm. um, and you can but and and uh, uh, Tom Waits is all the way over at the other side of the place at at the bar, but you can still hear him talking to Rusty James, t- telling him to take his feet off the yeah. the seat. And it's it's like it's standing next to them. I, I, don't, I don't know. It was something about the re-recording of some of the dialogue. Um, but it, it's supposed to be. It, it's. I know that's uh, intentional. Mm. Um, because they did re-record most of the dialogue. Uh, not not because they had to, because it, it was like a, a a choice. So there there must be something to that. I just don't know what that is. Yeah. So one one. Th- that I was thinking of is if we see the movie as Motorcycle Boy sees the world, this yeah. gray, dark, black and white world where also that he can't, he hear all sounds, uh, he can't filter what sound is important and what isn't. He just hear all sounds in different ways and he yeah. can't listen to a conversation and know and maybe he, he listens to something else instead of the conversation and, and that's why maybe he talks so quietly all the time. And I don't know. I don't. There's something there, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that makes sense uh, because um, Mickey Rourke said that he he uh, and this is just reading from the trivia. He approached his character as an actor who no longer finds his work interesting. Like he's yeah. bored. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. It, it almost feels like he's like suffering from like clinical depression. Yeah, something like that. And, and, and I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of what it is. Yeah. yeah. And then and the question is, is are we supposed to see, we as the audience supposed to see the world as he does? Is, the, is that I, the point, maybe? Is that why it's black and white and the sound mixture is weird? And... I don't know. Yeah, that, that, made, that, would, that would make a lot of sense if the movie was about Motorcycle Boy. Yeah. But it's all from the perspective of Rusty James. Yeah. So... so that's that's a strange choice, and I'm, I mean, it it could be both, and that they just wanted to mess with the audience. That it is from <laughs> it, all, all the the black and white and the color of the fish and everything is uh, because of Motorcycle Boy, but we're seeing it from Russell James' 
point of view mm. just because yeah. I mean Stranger Things have happened in a Coppola movie <laughs> So. But, but again, it, it it looks great and it sounds great. Oh, yes. the, just the production oh, yes. is impeccable. It's amazing, yeah, I, I love I love the style of it. No, and it is and the fact one that they long... yeah yeah that they that they in in a pretty like uh, simple movie technically uh, te- technically speaking still used some very high tech solutions to make some of the scenes like when he's having the out of body experience mm-hmm. they had like an entire a full body cast of uh Matt Dillon and raised him up on a crane and like physically it's not like a like a, a like a, a special effect or a yeah. visual effect he, they're literally lifting him off the ground without wires which was this huge like <laughs> uh, uh complicated shot which doesn't really fit in the movie but we got to yeah. do it because you know <laughs> yeah it doesn't really do anything. I, I don't think anything would change if you just cut it out. But it looks cool yeah. and it's weird, so yeah, go for it. So why uh, not? <laughs> but I gotta say, the uh, opening fight scene, or the fight scene at the beginning of the movie, at least, yeah. it's, it is one of the greatest fight scenes in a low body movie, like ever. Yeah, it's, and, and it's just wh- frames. Uh, the framing in this movie is also impeccable. You can most scenes you can you can just take a still and you can read exactly what's going on. Yeah, the relationship between every character in the scene and everything is great, and yeah, I think that's again with the uh, the fight scene. It's just it's a very very low tech, just two guys more or less fighting. But because of how it's filmed and framed, it it feels really intense and cool in a way. Yeah, and and the and the fact that it's so heavily choreographed, and like you said, every every scene like is it feels like impeccably staged. Adds that dreamlike feeling that it, it doesn't feel real because also it feels so staged, so rehearsed almost. Um, and I know that uh, the guy who uh, choreographed the fight was like a he was like a ballet dancer or something like a like a well known ballet dancer or a choreograph for ballet. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but that, and when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because there's a lot of movement in that fight. <laughs> not not just fighting. There's movement. Yeah. And it also made me feel like, and and that was uh, also because it was in black and white. It made me feel like um, Coppola wanted to make like an like an old time kind of movie about you know gangs hanging out and they have stiletto knives, and, <laughs> you know, smoking in bars. Um, yeah, but that kind of goes away. But there is a feeling of that in the beginning, at least. Yeah, I read something about the the time that Rusty talks about uh, is those old gang fights with sletter knives it doesn't make sense like uh, uh timeline wise but that's what they were thinking with rusty's way of looking at the old gangs is the old like 60s uh yeah gangs and that's also that's another weird thing about this movie time is not working as it should <laughs> At all. No, yeah, there's some, and they mention time. Tom Waits talks about time. Yeah, and um, at one scene, they're just standing by a huge f- clock. Yeah, without, uh, without, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, what the hell are they called? Uh, hands. Hands, hands, hands. Hands, hands. Um, yeah, something is, something's up with time, which also adds to the whole, like, that's why, that's why I partly thought that this was, like, purgatory, um, because time seems to stand still. I mean, time does move. It's day and mm. night, but nothing really changes from from day to day. Yeah, and there's a few points in the movie where time is uh, like important to the plot. 
And in yeah. that in those moments, time works weird. It, they work uh, very fast or very slow. Like the scene yeah. with, before the fight when he, for some reason, visits his girl before yeah. the fight. So he, he, he arrives there like, I think, 30 minutes before the fight's going to start. And they say something about that it's uh, on the other side of town or something, I think. Yeah, he says, I got to fight at 10. And it's, yeah. and it's quarter to 10 when he leaves uh, Diane yeah. Lane's house. And then they yeah. make out and they talk and he fell fall asleep and gets woken yeah. up. And it's only been like five minutes. And yeah. then he still gets to the fight, like, I think on time or even before. Yeah, cause, yeah, because the other gang isn't even there yet. <laughs> yeah, so there's like, and other times, t- time uh, goes really, really fast. I think when they are out, that could be because they're drunk. I don't know. When they're on the other side, uh, yeah, and they, the time goes really fast there. Uh, they have they show times a few times, and it's like sort of spinning. Um, goes like yeah. four hours between scenes or something. Um, so that again, time is just working differently in this dream landscape. <laughs> Mm, yeah, and I, I think that could could tie into that. There's no purpose. If there's no purpose, there's no time, and this is yeah, how what's... they think of time because they have nowhere to be, nowhere to go. So time is unimportant. So mm. why should we, as audience or they as character, care about time because it isn't important? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> um. Well, since this is the Nicolas Cage pro- uh, project, well, it's a project, a podcast. Yeah. I I guess we should talk about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's not that much in the movie. Well, he well no. he's a Just lot in the scenes. background. It feels. Yeah, um, like you mentioned, like uh, his his character like has a lot to do with uh, the story, so to say. Um, but he's not really in the movie that much. Yeah, it feels it feels sort of like he is having his own movie uh, at the side, yeah, and there's that like we don't see. <laughs> yeah, because he at the beginning he's not maybe he, a henchman isn't uh, the right word, but he's sort of a he's... friend. He's not a real friend to Rusty James, but they are like pals or in the same. Quote yeah, he's unquote, in the gang. gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah quote unquote. But, yeah, but, but exactly. we are here from the beginning that Rusty James doesn't really believe it. Uh, no, uh, Smokey doesn't believe in Rusty James at all. And doesn't yeah. really care for him because like, are you going to fight? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, oh yeah, sure, of course I'm gonna go. And it's it's a, it's a strange relationship, sort of. Yeah, he's mostly uh, doing it out of respect for Motorcycle Boy. Yeah, that's kind of what it's what he mentions later. Yeah, and then at the end of the movie, he sort of just appears and has now uh, taken uh, Rusty James' uh, ex-girlfriend and is now running the gang. And we're not really sure on how that happened. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. He's gone for a long time. I, I thought I might have, like, looked away or fell asleep. And I was like, mm-hmm. when, when did all this happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he w- he went off and had his own adventures where he gathered the troops and had this big thing where they decided to kick out Rusty James and make him the leader. And, yeah, but we don't see any of that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's that also kind of ties into... Um, uh, th- this whole thing about growing up, like most of the other the other people in the gang, they disappear except for the Steve guy. Mm. Uh, Steve, Steve, right? Yeah, the one who doesn't really seem to fit in, but he yeah. he's like their oldest friend or something. He was friend with with motorcycle boy before. Um, like the rest of the gang, dis- they di- more or less disappears from the from the middle of the movie, and then they show yeah. up in the in the very end when motorcycle boy dies. 
Yeah. Um, but it also adds to the whole thing that it's yeah, it's it's Rusty James who can't move on. Basically, he can't grow up. Yeah. So that could be it. Hmm? Uh, they're, another... they're trying to distance themselves from him. Yeah. Um, they're just hanging around because they liked Motorcycle Boy, but now they got to do their own thing. But I really think Nicolas Cage did a, did a good job. It was a solid, solid job. Uh, oh yeah, he, he didn't have much to work out, work with, but you you bought it. You bought his uh, the subtle subtle relationship between Rust James and Smokey. It's, it comes through without yeah. them actually saying it. So when at the end he says, "Yeah, I got your girl and I got the gang," and uh, you 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 were never meant to be a leader. Uh, yeah. we only followed you because of my motorcycle boy. Uh, you you buy it. You say, "Yeah, that's that makes sense. This is the guy yeah. uh, who would take control of the gang." Yeah, and I I saw a, sh- a short short little snippet from from the set when they talk about his character, and even though he's in like three scenes, he's like, "Yeah, I took inspiration from uh, uh, oh I don't remember Iago from it's this character from Shakespeare who's oh, yeah. a, he's a he's a traitor." Um, and, uh, this thing from Machiavelli, and it's like, okay, guy, <laughs> like, see, he takes this role very seriously, <laughs> even though it's, it's not very big. No, but this is his road to the Oscar, so of course he's gonna take it seriously. Yes, he's, he's exactly. He's gonna get an Oscar, that's, that's the point. He wants to show the world that he's a real actor. Yeah, and, and that he's not, because he changed his name, uh, that he's not... Living on someone else's name. He's exactly. This is not nepotism, even though yeah. this is his uncle's movie. But this you know, specific whatever. movie, maybe. <laughs> but uh, you know. <laughs> and you know, later when he's in uh, Peggy Sue got married. But whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a little bit. A little nepotism is, isn't always bad. Yeah. Um, but that is, yeah, that is why he did change his name. Um, yeah. Stated by himself that he didn't want to be. He he didn't want to ride on the coattails of Francis Ford Coppola. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's not much to say about Nicolas Cage in this movie. Uh, no, unfortunately. Ag- again, as we said in the first one, I was ready to write this movie off from the list because yes. he has such a small part. But you decided we needed it. Uh, yes, so. I, I I thought he would. I thought he was going to have a bigger role, and because I bought that expensive Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so yeah, so that's that's why we can't really talk that much about him in this specific episode yeah no there's there's not much to say I'll, I'll, I'll say that um I don't know I don't know if it's just because he's very young and it's it's literally the same year as uh Valley girl but he reminded me of Randy from Valley girl not in the in not in his demeanor but in his looks but that's no. probably just because it is Nicolas Cage he had the which he doesn't have really now. He's kind of got like puffy cheeks and the sleepy eyes, which he doesn't really have now. Mm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that was just how he looked. But I was I, like, oh, I, look, it's Randy. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think that's uh, just the way he looked. And also that there are similar like uh, clothing style to be in the uh, well, sort of punk scene that it was in Valley Girl and the gang motorcycle gang scene he's here. It's, uh, yeah. Sort of similar. Yeah, that's something. Uh, well, we sh- to that I didn't mention. We talked about time being like irrelevant. the The style of the movie seems kind of timeless as well. Like they they sort of dress like the gangs in West Side Story, mm-hmm. but they play arcade games from the eighties. and And Motorcycle Boy's motorcycle is obviously like a seventies or eighties motorcycle. Um, yeah. but if it feels like. It 
feel it feels like it's supposed to be in the part that's also because of the black and white. It feels like it should be the fifties or sixties. I mean, gangs aren't they weren't really a thing after that. I mean, they were, but not in movies like that. But they never mention when it takes place, and you never see like. F- you don't really see phones. The only time you see television, they're watching a black and white movie, so you're not sure. It's um, it has that, it has the same kind of timeless quality that the first Batman movie has, uh, the 1981 Bat, uh, 89 Batman. That it's like Art Deco mixed with 80s technology. It's kind of like that. Yeah, and I think that's well. I don't think I I know that's intentional. Uh, okay. <laughs> to to me, I I mean I haven't read it, but it's obvious. That's more what I'm saying. It's obvious that that's intentional. Uh, that this movie is supposed to be timeless. Um, yeah. You you feel that throughout the entire movie. Um. So yeah, it's definitely no accident. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It 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 feels intentional. It's very intentional. Mm. But I mean, this is one of those movies that you can, if you want to, you could really analyze this to death. There's a lot of things I to think so, analyze yeah. and think about. And um, Another thing, because I, 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 I read a few things and I saw some a couple of videos about what other people thought of the movie. Mm. Um, and one theory that I heard, which I don't subscribe on, but it is still a, still a theory that could be discussed, that <laughs> Steve, um, the, the nerd friend... Oh, yes. Yeah. That he actually doesn't exist. Okay. That he is uh, Rusty James um, conscious. Because huh. throughout uh, the entire movie, he's the one who always says, wait, you gotta stop, calm down, let's not sure, do yeah. this. And Rusty James always shuts him down and says, no, I'm gonna do what I want. And that's the little uh, sanity or conscious that he has that tries to, to make him Tries to save stuff. him, but he yeah, won't listen to him. You know? Exactly, and and these things that he is the smart guy who take notes and uh, is gonna go to college and all these things that 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 is what Russ James could be if he didn't keep doing what he's doing with this yeah. gang stuff. If he just if he just picked a target, he can go and do things and be at least smarter guy and and he yeah, find but... a way to live. Um, you can't you you can't stop getting into trouble, Rusty James. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I I don't I don't believe that's the point. Uh, no, but, I don't think so. But you can definitely see how that's uh, interpretation you can get out of it. And sure. Steve has some kind of some sort of that part in the movie, but maybe not literal. Uh, yeah, I I had a, a kind of similar idea about him. That the fact that he he says that he's like, like almost obsessive about taking notes. It's 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 what he does or something. He says that he can't stop taking notes or writing. Um, that since this is a it's supposed to be a book and it is a book from from the start. Um, that he's supposed to be like the one who who is writing the story. If that makes any sense. That the yeah. book. If you if you read the book Rumblefish. It's written by Steve, the the character Steve, mm. and that's kind of why the dialogue is a little strange because it's, it's it's dramatized. Could be something like that, but that's just you know. Yeah, again, like uh, a, a, a small idea I had when I when towards the end of the movie. Yeah, again, it's a theory that you really could, uh, spin spin on and and analyze in, in that way, and I think that's 
one of the geniuses about this movie that there are. So if if we take an example of doing doing it badly, um, yeah. But this thing that they they fill the movie with all these symbolisms and things and stuff, and you can draw in all the whatever you want from it. Uh, mm. But in this, it's the same as they did in Lost, but Lost did Ooh. it very very badly. Uh, yeah. They just they, they just throw things at the board and says, yeah, let's see what people can figure out from this. I don't know the answers, but maybe the audience can. In yeah. this movie, they did sort of the same thing, but I am convinced that Francis Ford Coppola hasn't... He knows exactly what he was doing. And he oh, has, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's that's really commendable. Uh, it's sort of like... Um, the Shining is another example of that. Um, yeah, where the, the director knows, but he's not going to tell you. Yeah, and, and you can... Because that's, uh, I'm not sure if that's true. I don't remember, uh, but that um, Kubrick actually said that he put all of these, a lot of things in The Shining, just to make people draw the wrong conclusions. Oh yeah, I'm convinced of that. <laughs> um, uh, the the biggest one being Jack Nicholson is in the photo from the 1920s in the end. Yeah. That there, makes no sense. There's also this, uh, the share thing. Have you heard of the share thing? No. Uh, there's in this big, in the big, big room where Jack Nicholson is right, typing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. In the corner, in a corner, there's a share, just okay. a regular share. That share changes places through with each cut in the movie. Okay. <laughs> it just switches places. It's it's in different corners. It uh it rotates. It does weird stuff, and. Apparently, what I've heard, he just did that for fun, just to fuck with people. It, okay. doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It just people will think this means something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I actually saw a movie that did kind of the similar thing. Not on the, it's not on the level of Shining, but it's a mm. good movie called The Empty Man. I don't know if you've heard about it. No, no, not heard of it. Um, and uh, we we talked about it on my other podcast, the Spoiler Cast. Mm. Um, and my co-host there was very annoyed with like. Uh, little, little hints and story threads that weren't really that they never finished but the nature of that story I'm not going to spoil it but the nature of that story calls for a lot of like f- like fake details and, and red herrings and uh, if you accept what happens in the ending it's like oh they were just fucking with him <laughs> basically yeah. or, or the director fucking with the audience and I think there's sort of the same thing in this movie in Rumblefish but I don't think that any of the details is just red herrings. I think there are the same amount of red herrings as in The Shining, for example. Yeah. But in this but one, they, they aren't red they herrings. There's a point to every single thing. They're pointing to something, yeah. Uh, and we will yeah, never be able to figure it out. It. Yeah. Um, that's probably it. And and and, and that it's and that's I think that's um the mark the mark of it. Like you mentioned, that's a that's a mark of a of a good movie, a good piece of art. That it is subjective. Yeah. Mm. Like uh, one of my favorite other examples of that is the ending of Whiplash. Like I've talked to so for me that's a sad ending, mm. but I've talked to so many people who say that's no, that's a it's a good ending. He wins, and for me it's the complete opposite. Yeah, and I, I um, see. I I have switched uh, regarding yeah, Whiplash. Okay. I switched yeah. like four times. I every time I see it, I came up with it. Oh no, it was a happy ending, and the next time I see it, oh, it was a sad ending. Yeah, I was right yeah. the first time. So. And it and it is it kind of is both because it is in, in interpretable. Yeah, it is. It depends on how you see what he's doing. 
exactly. subjectively, do you think it's worth it or not? And exactly, sort and of all great art is subjective. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, do you have anything else? I think I, I'm. I, I talked about all my theories of the movie. Uh, I don't think is there anything else we haven't gone over. Um. Oh well, no. Dennis Hopper is great. Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, two two things. T- Tom Waits and Dennis Hopper's in the movie yeah. too little. <laughs> Same yeah. with Chris Penn. Like, oh, and an- another thing which I, I I felt it it added a lot to the physicality of the movie, even though that's not really what the movie is about. It starts out being a physical movie, and then it kind of fades away. But everyone's almost in every scene they're all like dripping with sweat yeah it's a very wet and they, movie and they mentioned they mentioned the heat at some point in the movie mm. but it's, it's always sweaty and everyone's smoking it looks very and you can you can almost like feel the atmosphere which is that's a good thing you're, I mean you're supposed to do that so but it's just something yeah. I noticed like they're always covered in sweat yeah that was one thing I, <laughs> I noticed too in, in the uh, I think it was the the school scene where he was fantasizing about his girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, because when when he sits in uh, the classroom, that's the first time that he isn't sweating <laughs> in that specific <laughs> scene. And I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't notice it until now. Um, ah, he he's just not glistening all the time. It's sweat. Okay. Yeah. He has normal skin in real life. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with Dennis Hopper, I I think. Um, Really great performance. It was a one of the most yeah. believable alcoholic performance I've seen. Yes, he isn't yes. This, he isn't this violent, angry alcoholic that we all often see or almost always see. Yeah, uh, I was worried he was gonna like burst out and like start screaming and hitting them, but he never did. No, he's more like the uh, as an actual alcoholic, a uh, uh, uh-huh. torn down, depressed uh, person Can- who just. He needs yeah. to escape his life in a way. Kind of happy-go-lucky, but a little bit pathetic. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. drinking because he's sad if he doesn't drink. And yeah. this is the only only happiness he can find. But even at the bar at the end of the movie, uh, you see this. He is drunk, obviously. I think he's drunk in every scene in the movie. But yeah. in that scene, you see this uh, moment of clarity in a way when he... Uh, sort of sobers up and says this monologue about Motorcycle Boy uh, that he takes his shot and then he <laughs> yeah went away goes home I guess and that, that's also another thing he's in he's in he's only in a few scenes but it becomes very clear like that that um, Mo- Motorcycle Boy takes after his father a lot yeah. they're very similar they're both kind of sad uh, very intelligent, and you know they see stuff that Rusty James doesn't. And I'm guessing Rusty James then might have taken after their mother, which we never see, but they talk about her. Um, but they do kind of mention her being like a lost soul too. That's why she left. Yeah, I'm not sure. So and maybe then, Rusty James is just the black sheep of the family. <laughs> well, it's probably that uh, same thing, but he she actually found something to do. I guess. Yeah. I did read somewhere. I, I don't know if it's true. I can't find it now, so maybe I just made it up. Uh, but I I read somewhere that they were they had to, uh, t- like I think it was something forty takes 
for Dennis Hopper. Oh yes, that that scene in the bar, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's some, something between forty and fifty takes. Yeah. yeah, because as Dennis Hopper, uh, he is a method actor. <laughs> Was from yeah. what I've heard, pretty drunk uh, during the entire movie. And then uh, I'm not I'm not sure about the timeline, um, but he was a he was a, a, a yeah an alcoholic and drug addict in real life, mm. but he he sobered up in the beginning of the eighties, and um I I've I've heard I don't know if it was an interview or behind the scenes stuff that the first movie he made when he got sober again was Blue Velvet, which mm. came out in eighty four I think, so he might actually have been like. Proper drunk, yeah. When shooting that scene, because he was still like using. <laughs> eighty six. Blue Velvet is eighty six. It's eighty six. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, I think so is my favorite pro- performance of Dennis Hopper. I'd oh say. yes, he's insane in that movie. We should. No, we're not gonna do a Dennis <laughs> Hopper podcast. <laughs> Uh, I, had a, I had a moment there. Where, oh, we just no. we just started this one. We have <laughs> yeah, like yeah, 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 two yeah. years of this first. <laughs> Hold your horses, Tobi. Hold your horses. Um, but yeah, so, so but he, yeah, was, he yes, was great in the movie. He's very good in Blue Velvet and very good in Rumblefish. Yes. So I, I wish we saw more of him. Yeah, and Tom Waits is as usual in movies. Tom Waits. So. It's Tom. Yes, it's Tom Waits. And I, I think quirky I think guy he's spouting just... uh, non uh, spouting wisdom disguised as nonsense. That's yeah, usually yeah, yeah, what yeah. he always plays, and sounding really cool when he does it. Um, and I, I think he's just in the movie because he's, I think he's friends with Coppola because he was in an, another movie with him hmm. called um, like Big Time or something before this, which flopped, but he was in that movie, and I think he made the mu- uh, the music for that movie or some of the music. Oh, yeah. so that's probably why. Um, but yeah, Tom Waits should do more stuff. He hasn't he hasn't released music in like ten years. What the hell? Anyway, let's not talk about Tom Waits. Let's let's finish let's finish this episode because I think we're both we we got we got we got everything out. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is uh, it's definitely a movie I'm gonna rewatch um, mm. to like try and figure more of it out. Um, actually yeah, I mean, look at the movie now. Know. Now that I know this, because as I said, I saw this very long time ago and I remember yeah. the movie quite vividly but I didn't remember what what which movie it was what name it had <laughs> yeah. uh, so so now that I know that it was Rumblefish that I saw um, I'll, I'm definitely going to rewatch it oh yeah so but uh, oh yeah well, we gotta we gotta rate it yeah what do you think um did we do it uh, 1 to 10 scale last time yeah that's it right there I should I gotta write that up actually um I'll give this. I'll give it a. I'll give it a strong seven. I think I give Valley Garden a seven as well, but it's yeah. a different kind of seven. All right, so okay. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you think? What are you gonna I, give it? I am. For me, it's between an eight or nine. Uh, okay. And I, th- I think I'm gonna go with a nine. Actually, it's yeah. It's a really great movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably bump it up to an eight after watching it again. I just need to, like I said, like I said out loud to myself when I watch it. I didn't I didn't really get it. No. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a nine. So 
Oh yeah, sure. So uh, last week you gave Valley Girl seven. I think I gave Valley Girl a five, right? Five or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, week six, but basically five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's yeah. Strong five. Week six. That's what I said. Yeah. 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 And I st- then I s- stopped with five. And this week it's a seven again, and then nine for me. Yes. So uh, let's see if next movie is a seven two for you. <laughs> well, let's see what mo- do you have the yeah next movie is the sheet r- racing with the moon. Oh right! Yes, I saw the trailer for that one. Yes. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't find it on DVD, so I got to. I got to find some other way to watch it. But <laughs> I so that movie I have not watched, and I not know barely nothing of it. I have seen the front of it in like a video store. Oh, okay. I'd never even heard of it until. Uh. A few weeks before this, so yeah, it has a it has a Swedish title. I I, I remember that title. So. Oh, okay, okay. Would you do you know what the Swedish title is? Uh, it is uh, "Livet börjar nu." Okay, uh, no, I... directly translated is uh, "Life the life life begins now." Yeah, this is the start of life or the life. Something like, like we that. usually do here in Sweden, we we change it to to a completely different title. Yeah, I think up until like ninety something, we did that. Oh yeah. Every my, single I, movie. I've probably mentioned this before, but my favorite like Swedish title of a movie is a Kevin Bacon movie from like the early two thousands. Um, the the uh, original title is A Star of Echoes, mm-hmm. and the Swedish title the Swedish title is The Secret Sense. <laughs> what? So it, it's it's completely different. It has nothing to do with with. With the the original title, and it's not even in Swedish. It's the same it's with I, uh, Equilibrium. Is also that's oh my yeah, favorite. It's, I think. It's cubic. Yeah, cubic. But I'm not <laughs> sure if that's Swedish title or is it European title. It could be. Yeah. It could yeah. Be. But uh, yeah, equi- Equilibrium was named cubic. <laughs> cubic. Because that makes I'm, sense. Yeah, but, but I mean, there's there's sort of cubes. In, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, next week, uh, racing with the moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, be sure to wherever you're listening to this. Uh, if it's on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Um, or if it's on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, uh, hit the follow. Give us five stars. Whatever, whatever you can do to help the algorithm find us. Um, and. Uh, we didn't figure it out last week, but but Christopher had a good idea for what to do with the Patreon. Every episode is gonna be at least one week early on Patreon. So if you wanna if you wanna hear this show earlier than everyone else, just give us uh, three bucks a month and you'll get it early. Um, and there there might even be more perks later on for the higher tiers, but I'll I'll, I'll have to figure those out. But if you want the show at least a week early, check us out on Patreon. And, uh, yeah, you'll also help us keep the show going, of course. But that's going to have to be it for this week. Once again, uh, thank you for listening. Check out Racing with the Moon so you can follow along next week. And we'll see you then. But until then, have a good one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Madness in the Method is part of Please Don't Make a Scene. The show is produced by Tobias Vidim and executive producer is Annika Vidim. Original concept by Christopher Berlin. The show is hosted by Tobias Vedin and Christopher Berlin. Sound editing and mixing is by Tobias Vedin and Christopher Berlin. A 
huge thank you to all our sponsors over on Patreon. Rasmus Jonsson, Laura Kinney, Mom and Dad.